0: From the Alaska Airlines Studio.
1: Presented by 2020lifestyles.com. This is The Blitz. The first look at the top stories in Seattle sports. They don't like us. We're not like everybody else. The rundown on everything Seattle sports on your way to work.
2: Swing the a fly ball. Deep right center field. He did it again.
1: And the stories everyone is talking about. We to this is the Blitz at Six.
3: Good morning, friends. Welcome to the Blitz at Six. Lydia Cruz alongside with you. Tuesday, May 19th. Thanks for hanging out. Some positive momentum. A lot of positive momentum yesterday, I would say. Four sports returning governors from New York, California, and Texas. Saying yesterday that professional sports could resume in their respective states in the near future within days really a couple of weeks so we'll discuss the timetables for those also what they mean for professional sports world the major league baseball players association association were the recipients of a 67 page document meanwhile from major league baseball over the weekend with just some of the health and safety protocols that may be instituted for returning. We'll dig through the highlights of each of those. Plus, Michael Grieco, who is Quentin Dunbar's attorney, joined 710 ESPN Seattle yesterday to give some details in Quinton Dunbar's case. says he will go on the offensive to clear Quentin Dunbar's name and uh, some important developments in that case as well, according to his attorney. Implications for the Seahawks all head in this hour. Right now, let's get to your headlines. Governors from New York, California, and Texas said Monday that pro sports could resume in their respective states in the near future. All major sports have been shut down since March because of the coronavirus pandemic. New York Governor, let's start there. Andrew Cuomo said he is encouraging major sports teams in the state to plan to reopen without fans.
4: I also have been encouraging major sports teams to plan reopenings uh, without fans, but the games could be televised. New York State will help those major sports franchises to do just that. Hockey, basketball, baseball, football, whoever can reopen. We're a ready, willing, and able partner.
3: Governor Cuomo saying that they want live sports back on television.
4: Why wait until you can fill a stadium before you start to bring the team back? And if you can televise it in the meantime, great. I mean, it's not as good as going to a game or, you know, going to a bar and watching the game. But people who are at home, if you had the chance to watch sports, you know, I'm watching the reruns right now of the, uh, the old classic games. And that's fun. But I'd rather watch current sports on TV if it works.
3: He also said that states uh, will work with sports teams that want to return. If
4: they can make the numbers work. I say, great. Come back. The state will work with you. Uh, Because remember, government rules right now could stop a team from coming back, right? What's essential, what's not essential. So I'm saying the state will work with them to come back.
3: New York Governor Andrew Cuomo also noting that uh, he has a personal investment to somebody or some team that he wants to watch this season.
4: Personal disclosure, I want to watch the Buffalo Bills, but I'm still objective. I'm acting as governor. There's no personal agenda here. Yes, I do want to watch the bills, but uh, that is not subverting my role as governor. I think this is in the best interest of all the people and in the best interest of the state of New York, even though I do have a coincident personal agenda because I want to watch the bills, but they are separate agendas.
3: Western New York, including the city of Buffalo, has met the state's coronavirus containment goals and will begin phase one of its reopening, reopening of the economy today. Actually, the bill's organization, though, not included in the phase one plans for New York and is not yet able to return to its facility in Orchard Park. Meanwhile, yesterday, California Governor Gavin Newsom also spoke about the potential return of sports in his daily news conference. He noted that sports could resume without fans in a state as soon as the first week of June or so.
5: Sporting events, pro sports in that first a week or so of June without spectators and modifications and very prescriptive conditions also can begin to move forward. And a number of other sectors of our economy will open up again if we hold these trend lines in the next number of weeks.
3: What needs to be done to bring them back, though? Important notes by Governor Newsom. The number of coronavirus cases and hospitalizations in the state need to continue to trend in the right direction to go downward, plus plenty of health and safety modifications and protocols that need to be in place to account for social distancing. Well, that's
5: deep conditions, deep modifications, deep stipulations in terms of protecting not only the players, but more broadly,
3: their support staff. Finally, yesterday, Texas Governor Greg Abbott said pro sports without fans could resume at the end of May and also talked about some Little League opportunities.
1: And then, On May the 31st, youth sports camps and programs like Little League will also be able to open. I want you to know that parents will be allowed to spectate so long as social distancing is followed. Also, some professional sports can return on May the 31st. That includes pro golf, auto racing, baseball, softball, tennis, football, and basketball. For all sporting and camp activities, special safety standards apply to prevent the spread of COVID-19. These can be found at the Open Texas website.
3: Governors in Florida and Arizona had already announced previously that their states were open to having pro sports resume. That was on May the 16th. So now some of the biggest states in the country announcing that they are moving towards that possibility. Good momentum. Also good momentum. Major League Baseball, they're still in talks with players on a plan to restart the season. But uh, we got the 67-page report over the weekend that Major League Baseball handed to the Players Association that deals with all the different safety protocols, which we'll dig into later in this hour. But we do know, as Jeff Passen noted yesterday, that players will have to make some sacrifices in order to play again. I
6: think the players also understand that if they want to play this year and they want to get paid this year, then they are going to have to abide by some of these rules. And, and some of them, you know what, are actually really reasonable. But some of them just have this odd optical thing that's confusing to us, like sitting in the stands during games. We've never done that before. We haven't done that since Little League. And yet it's a reality in this moment. If Major League Baseball wants to play this year, this is probably how it's going to have to be done.
3: The NFL also releasing its schedule earlier this month and are planning on a regular season. But the future of fans in the stands, uh, we currently don't know. Dan Graziano on ESPN yesterday saying the NFL looking at Bundesliga, which is the German soccer league, as a guide for reopening.
7: Everybody who wasn't in the game was wearing a mask. The, The bench players were seated in the in the stands, in the empty stands with three or four seats apart from each other. I think that the league is looking at that league and other soccer leagues as they start to open as an example for how they might be able to get up and running in September, assuming, assuming, assuming access to testing, improvements and treatment, all those things that we talk about that are conditions of this and any other league starting up again.
3: We'll dig into more on that, including the NFL also coming up with modified face masks that might contain surgical or N95 material. Uh, this is Pretty big, so uh, we'll discuss that ahead in this hour, how that will impact players. But yesterday, Michael Greco, Quentin Dunbar's attorney, joined 710 ESPN Seattle to talk about his client's case and the accusations that were leveled against him this past week. Michael Greco saying that Quentin Dunbar will go on the offensive to clear his name. It
8: was very important for us to get the word out. I have those media relationships to make sure that people know that I this is an innocent man. And, you know, anybody can point a finger and allege something, but as soon as you, you know, kind of pull pull back the, the, the cover of the book, maybe it's not exactly what, what you think it is. So I don't want people rushing to judgment uh, as to either of the individuals, uh, but specifically as, as to Quentin, I can tell you that he's going to walk away from this uh, exonerated.
3: Dunbar was accused of four counts of armed robbery last week, and the arrest warrant also included witness testimony, but uh, five witnesses total, I believe. And uh, Michael Greco, his attorney, saying that the witnesses have since changed their story. With these five
8: individuals, you know, one of them uh, had always consistently said that what the other four said was not accurate. So he gave the same statement to the police as the same statement he gave me. But the other four individuals, they've come around and they're telling the truth now and they they told it to to myself that, that this didn't happen. And, uh, you know, we're hoping that the the state attorney's office down here does the right thing.
3: And Greco saying that with these witness statements, they clear Dunbar of both the robbery and the assault allegations. My conversations
8: with them and and what we memorialized strictly applied to my client, Mr. Dunbar. And uh, they state directly that he did not participate in any robbery, that directly or indirectly, that he was not involved in any assault in any way.
3: Dunbar's attorney also saying That it was a ridiculous notion that threats or bribes from uh, Dunbar was the factor or what compelled the four individuals to recant their initial stories to police. He also talked about the relationship between Dunbar and DeAndre Baker and said it's completely untrue that they lost $70,000 in a gambling game the week before the night in question, which was alleged in the arrest warrant. He said they weren't together at all in the weeks before that night, and they're not even that close.
8: Completely untrue, as at least it applies to Mr. Dunbar. Mr. Dunbar was not with Mr. Baker um, at any point. Uh, within the week or weeks prior, I think that there's been a complete mischaracterization as to the nature of their relationship, which is not as close as uh, it's been portrayed at least initially. And I can tell you that they've got their their wires crossed with that one. I've already advised law enforcement that they're they're completely mistaken on that.
3: Kriekko says he expects a decision on whether charges will be filed within a month, and that he's confident Dunbar will be cleared. Coming up on the Blitz, still more on that as well, though, uh, even if he doesn't face legal punishment, what could be the implications when it comes to the NFL or with the Seahawks? Because as we know, even if you don't face legal punishment, you can face punishment by your team. We'll hear from Bob Condotta of the Seattle Times on what the Seahawks are prepared to do next on the Blitz right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz.
3: Welcome back to The Blitz at 6. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Tuesday, May 19th. Wu-Tang, always a good listen. If you haven't seen it by now of Mikes and Men, the four-part documentary series on Wu-Tang Clan, you need something to add to your queue. I highly recommend it. I think it is on Showtime or perhaps HBO+ one of the many platforms available right now, but check it out. In the meantime, we have also been chatting about Quentin Dunbar, his legal case that is pending in the state of Florida, his attorney, uh, Michael Greco, joining 710 yesterday. And we heard a little bit from Michael that he's confident Dunbar will be cleared of all the allegations against him, which include four counts of armed robbery.
8: Very confident that we're going to walk away from this. It, It may take days. It may take weeks. I hope it doesn't take months. Uh, but I'm, I'm very confident that, that Quentin will have his name cleared. It's not just about getting cases dropped. This is a case where an innocent man has been accused of a horrific crime that he did not do. I think that the police department rushed to judgment on this with no corroborating evidence other than the statements of four individuals, um, and they had a fifth individual who gave a, a contrast contrasting statement. So. I think that this is one where I wish they had put the toothpaste back in the tube sooner. But if I've got to be the one to do it, I'm going to be the one that does it.
3: His attorney, Michael Greco, also saying that he's confident because he has, quote, the smoking gun in the case. They can do
8: what they want. But, you know, I've got, I've got the I've got the only smoking gun in the case, which is actually I've got five of them. And, mm-hmm. uh, you yeah, know, I, I, however they decide to handle it, that's 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 on them. But we're feeling pretty confident. And I know the attorney for the other gentleman uh, is also in possession of similar affidavits.
3: So his attorney, Dunbar's attorney, feeling very confident in that all charges will be dismissed or he'll be his name will be cleared. But what could that mean, possibly still for discipline in the NFL and perhaps discipline by the Seahawks? Bob Kindot of the Seattle Times joining 710 yesterday and mentioning again that Dunbar could be punished by the NFL even if the charges are dropped. The
9: NFL also can get involved in this, and and they don't even you know it, it, if you go through and read the NFL's personal conduct policy. Um, you know they don't need for there to be a conviction or anything like that. as happened with Jaron Reed, obviously um, last year. Uh, they can they can announce a suspension as well. So they could sort of rely on some guidance from the NFL on this also. But I think for right now they they probably are going to take the tack of uh, just sort of waiting and seeing what the what how this plays out over the next over the next little while legally and then kind of let that guide what they decide to do.
3: Bob also mentioning the NFL likes to likes discipline to send a message to other players in the you league. You know, a lot
9: of times they're not necessarily interested in, yeah, you got off on this technicality or whatever, but we're still going to, we want we need to send that message to everybody that this isn't how NFL players should be reacting. So there could definitely be, be punishment of some sort regardless of how of how it ends up. And I think that's why I heard the clip. I, I heard the interview when he, when he said it and then, um, you know, the clip you had about uh, wanting to clear, you know, Dunbar's name completely. And, and I think that his lawyer is saying that in part for that reason because, uh, I think he knows that the NFL could still um, come at this from its own, from its own sort of angle here.
3: Bob Condotta also mentioning that the Seahawks are prepared for all possible situations. I don't think
9: they would go out. I mean, I know there's guys like Logan Ryan out there and things like that. Um, certainly there's some things you could do and they're always going to, they're always going to sort of know where those things are. And, and I'm sure they'll, they'll, you know, they always know a lot more than we do about what's going on behind the scenes and how quickly player X from, uh, you know, some other free agent may sign and what they have to do. So, um, you know, I, I'm sure they'll put themselves in a position like if they, if they really feel like, okay, we better do this now because this is what's going to happen and, and we've got to make sure we're covered here. I, I'm sure they're, they're, you know, uh, John Snyder on his big board that's in his office there. I'm sure he's got all these scenarios played out.
3: Bob of the Seattle Times, also on Seahawks, not in, in a rush to do anything because there's no financial incentive in releasing Dodd-Barr.
9: Player who, who was coming off a really good year, wasn't going to cost that much this year. Um, you know, they were able to get him for a fifth round pick. So if you could, you know, really solve one of your corner problems for even just one season for that much money and a fifth round pick, that was going to be a really good, really good pickup. So. They don't really have to rush into anything from a financial standpoint. They can just sort of, uh, they can just sort of let that part play out too.
3: Also, this is really bad timing for Dunbar contract-wise, according to Condota. This
9: is a really key year for Quentin Dunbar. Obviously, I mean, he just got traded. He got, he got traded to a team that he he really thought would be a good fit for him. He's entering the last year of his contract. If he had a good year with Seattle, um, he was going to get paid pretty significantly, significantly by either the Seahawks or by somebody else, and. Uh, you know, being 27 years old, this is the year for him to, to really do that. Uh, you know, you get a few years older and, and maybe you're not going to be able to get that that kind of big contract or whatever.
3: Up, coming up next on the Blitz, uh, we'll hear more from Bob Kondota on whether the Seahawks do need to add a corner at this point, as well as ESPN's Brady Henderson and the 67-page document outlining potential health and safety protocols. What does it include? Uh, are players going to want to get on board with some of the changes, some of them a little bit? Drastic, if if a shortened season is to happen, so we'll dig into that next on the Blitz right here on seven hundred and ten ESPN Seattle.
1: You're listening to the Blitz from the Alaska Airlines Studio.
3: Welcome back to the Blitz at six. Lydia Cruz alongside with you Tuesday, May nineteenth. Thanks for hanging out this morning. We've been discussing uh, the Seahawks this morning in terms of Quentin Dunbar and his legal case, but there's still plenty of other things uh, facing the team this offseason. And Brady Henderson of ESPN joining Bob, Dave, and Moore yesterday to discuss some of those topics, including and Clowney, where the team stands with him, and the state of the past in general. Let me test
9: your Seahawks insiderness. Are you ready? I'm going to give you a multiple-choice question here. Well, uh, right. they signed Judevi and Clowney. That's option number A. Option B is, no, they're not going to sign Clowney, but they probably will sign Everson Griffin or Michael Bennett or one of these other guys, one of these other veteran pass rushers that's still available in the free agent market. That's option number B. I guess it's letter B. It's not a number. And then C, they don't do anything at all. They like what they did with Bruce Irvin, Benson Mayoa, They like the two kids they got in the draft, and they're going to stand pat. So which is it?
10: Yeah. This, this is bringing me back to studying for the SAT, so thank you for that, Chip. Yeah, I, I think yeah, that C, if I had to guess right now, I think C uh, is the most likely. And I think that is kind of a you know a, a, a big part of this whole situation is that the Seahawks feel a lot better about the pass rush options that they have uh, than everybody else does. And, you know they, they went out and they signed Bruce Servin, uh signed Benson and two guys that combined for 15 and a half sacks last year. They spent the second round pick. On Daryl Taylor, a guy that by their own addition, or by their own accounts, you know, they said that they could really consider drafting in the first round, too. Uh, and then there's other guys, you know, that are already in the system that, you know, they're counting on uh, taking a leap this coming year, like LJ Collier and Green. And so, certainly, there's a counterpoint to all that. And that the counterpoint would be, okay, well, you're counting on two veteran players uh, to have, you know, to match really their career seasons that they had last year, talking about Mayo and Urban. Uh, you're also counting on, younger players to to really step up and produce a lot. And that may be difficult in an off season like this where those guys aren't gonna have those reps. So I certainly see both sides of that. I see the side of the Seahawks saying, you know, that maybe they they feel a lot stronger about their pass rush than the outside rule does. I can also see the skepticism there of okay, a lot of things would have to go right for that pass rush to be better without JWN Clown
7: yeah you could count me amongst the skeptics brady i don't I don't love it i don't feel better about it. I feel like their numbers will be better. I think you know we've talked about that over and over that if they brought back every single player from last year's defense, they would still have better sack numbers. It was just an odd year where things for whatever reason, it feels like an anomaly that they're just going to be statistically better than they were. but is there anybody on that defensive line? that you think requires a double team, the way that Clowney did. We, we can all sit here and go, well, he only had three sacks. And we've talked to more than enough people that have either faced him or have played the game that said, you guys, he's a problem. He requires a lot of attention. Now he's gone. Quentin Jefferson's gone. I I don't – does Bruce Irvin require a double team? Does Mayoa? Does Puna Ford? I just don't feel like they've got that guy that takes up that kind of attention. Yeah, I, I'm right there
10: with you. And, and that's kind of a – um, something that people kind of have to keep in mind when they're assessing, you know, De'Avion Clowney's season last year when he had, you know, what was it, three sacks. You know, uh, the, our research department at ESPN has a great staff that, you know, in terms of his edge rush snaps, he was, I believe, the you know, double teamed at the third highest rate among those edge rush snaps. So to me, that is important context uh, for his season. He was a lot more impactful than a guy, a typical, you know, guy who had three sacks. Um, going back to the, the point you made about Maybe being an anomaly, and, and I'll, I'll throw something out there, and, and maybe you guys have a reaction to this. You know, one thing I heard from from somebody in the NFL who knows a lot more about the X's and O's side of it than I do is that you know maybe part of the issue uh, with the lack of pressure last year was was tied to the fact that they ran as much base defense as they did. It was a lot of the same personnel, and you know they were they were doing the same thing so often and often that it kind of became predictable, and in a sense easier for teams to defend. And, and you know, with the current options that do have. I think one reason why they might think that, that those guys are going to be better, that group as a, as a whole is going to be better, is because they're going to be able to mix up their looks and keep offenses on their toes. And, um, you know, maybe not uh, those offenses, maybe aren't going to have as easy of a time blocking them as they did last year when they were really running a lot of the same stuff with a lot of the same base personnel.
3: Brady Henderson of ESPN on Bob Moore. Full interview available for you at 710sports.com. Also, this past weekend, Major League Baseball handing over that 67-page document outlining potential health and safety protocols to the Players Association. Those two parties deep in talks at the moment uh, over a return to play, a possible return to play. But the 67-page copy of the operations manual for a potential 2020 season, an abbreviated season as we all know, was obtained by The Athletic, and it covers everything from testing protocols for COVID-19 to on-field operations, facility protocols, what spring training will look like, and as well as league operations and transactions. Some of the proposed po- protocols and the the highlights include no spitting, using smokeless tobacco or sunflower seeds in restricted areas, no physical interactions such as high fives, fist bumps, and hugs at team facilities. No exchanges of the lineup cards, usually a ceremonial part of the game, but instead those going to be entered into an app. Um, and then new baseballs any a ball is put in play and touched by multiple players. Also, showering will be discouraged at club facilities, which uh, was not taken well according to Jeff Passan by some players and players will be wearing masks except while on the field, standing six feet apart during the singing of the National Anthem. Also, players and coaches sitting six feet apart in the dugout and, if necessary, even in the stands. Uh, the procedures outlined in the document are still subject to union approval, so they could change dramatically. But Jeff Passan also saying recently on SportsCenter that players will have to make sacrifices in order to play again. Here's a little bit from Passan's interview on these protocols. It's
6: a lot to consider it's a lot for the players to understand it's a lot for teams to undertake but it's also Nicole what is warranted in this moment and that's the really difficult thing that I think a lot of people inside of the game and those outside who are reading stories about this and hearing us talk about it are having to understand this is kind of our new reality And and this new reality for baseball happens to be as obtrusive as it is because it has to get by local health officials and they have to rubber stamp it. And so you want to err on the side of caution. But it really is a lot for players to be thinking about. And that's what they're doing in this moment as they consider it.
7: Given the fact that it is a lot and baseball doesn't really seem to be open to change most of the time, how is this being received by players (laughs) and, and personnel?
6: I mean, players really want to take showers, like before the game and after the game. So I'm guessing the part about the, uh, you know, suggestion that they're not showers, probably not going to be in any sort of final proposal. But I think the players also understand that if they want to play this year and they want to get paid this year, then they are going to have to abide by some of these rules. And And some of them, you know what, are actually really reasonable. But some of them just have this odd optical thing that's confusing to us, like sitting in the stands during games. We've never done that before. We haven't done that since Little League. And yet it's a reality in this moment. If Major League Baseball wants to play this year, this is probably how it's going to have to be done.
7: I don't want it to get lost. What you just said there, you said final proposal. So how much room is there to actually make tweaks to what we're seeing now in these 67
1: pages?
6: There's a lot of wiggle room, and honestly, there should be, because there are elements of this proposal or of this draft that simply don't cover important things. You know, it talks about having an emergency action plan if somebody tests positive for COVID-19, whether it's at home or on the road. If you're on the road, like, how does that player get home? doesn't address that. If there's an outbreak in the clubhouse, what happens then? doesn't address that. These are all very important and vital things because they're potentially realistic things. And that's what baseball is trying above all, I think, to do to ensure the safety of its players as best as it can and and make the players comfortable enough where they feel like coming back in the midst of a pandemic is something that's worthwhile for them too.
3: Coming up next on the Blitz, it's time for the hot list. Still more thoughts on the MLB's protocol suggested protocol and the timetable for return. Also, and more comments from Michael Greco, Quentin Dunbar's attorney, pretty insistent and adamant that he is going to clear Dunbar's name next in Hotlist right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.
1: From the Alaska Airlines studio, this is The Blitz. It's time for... The Hot List. Holy mackerel! The headlines for the day in sports every morning at six forty-five. Heck
10: yes! What are we
1: missing here? A full breakdown of the top stories of today on your morning drive. Let's go.
3: Well, we heard from Jeff Passan on the proposed safety and health protocols by Major League Baseball. Buster only also had some thoughts. ESPN MLB insider Hayer wore his thoughts on the, the protocols.
2: As I read that uh, protocol, you know and it, look, this is what Major League Baseball had to generate. They took it to the players and now they're talking about it from what I understand. They've made more progress on the safety side than uh, on the safety issues than they have on the money issues. Um, but it really felt like it was lawyers and doctors getting together and writing down things that they felt like they had to write down. <laughs> you know like we're going to cover ourselves it's almost like in those waivers we signed have signed in our life where you don't look at the fine print and it says right. if a meteor drops on your house uh there was that sort of coverage you're you're exactly right that these players you know they they've uh, spat seeds they they grab themselves they do whatever and they don't even know now it's just part of what they do uh and i'm sure that over time uh, like all of us, you know, wearing a mask is not second. Wasn't second nature before this, and now it's becoming more comfortable. And I think you probably see some adjustment uh, among players along those lines.
3: Buster only, also with some thoughts on a timetable for MLB's return. I
2: do think the next ten days to two weeks are going to be absolutely critical uh, because you still have to have the full spring training. Uh, and, you know, you have to get players back in their spring training sites, and you have to get moving, and you have to anticipate that there, there might be setbacks. And I gotta say, you know, it was interesting last week how when Blake Snell said what he said, there were players, uh, publicly and privately basically saying, you know, he spoke the truth, that's how we feel. But in a weird sort of way, uh, what Blake Snell said, you know, the statement by Tony Clark, what Scott Boris has said, uh, talking about the money, I think it's now put baseball as a whole in this really uh, undesirable place where if it doesn't come together, if it falls apart and they're not able to get an agreement, that there will be a perception among fans that they couldn't play because they couldn't agree on money. That would be devastating for the sport. And so I think all these public comments have have really added pressure to both sides to get a deal done.
3: We all watched Last Dance, or most of us did, and if you haven't, that's okay, but uh, it's Must View TV, The Last Dance, airing the final two episodes, episode 9 and 10, on Sunday. And we got a tiny sneak peek of Michael Jordan's kids and his family from uh, their perspective on it, but... They weren't featured predominantly in this documentary, so it was kind of cool to hear from them. They also joined Good Morning America and Spain & Co. this week to talk about it. Jasmine Jordan, Michael Jordan's daughter... Uh, had some interesting comments on, well, The Last Dance just even being eye-opening for them as his kids. Did the documentary, in her mind, show the real MJ?
0: You know, I think so. I think, obviously, it, it it was limited. You know, it's only 10 episodes, and I think everyone can agree we could definitely show 10 more and get even more stories and exciting aspects of the team during that time, you know, my father included. Um, but I definitely think a lot of people that have watched the doc at least got to see that human side. You know, they got to see that humor, that belly laugh and, <laughs> and genuine and authentic reactions to things that, you know, maybe fans and people watching really wanted to see. So I definitely think that, you know, the doc got to show that side of him, you know, whether it's being funny and boisterous or, or being emotional and, you know, talking about my grandfather and, and his love for the game, my dad's love for the game, but you know, I think it was a side of him that, like you said, a lot of people didn't get to see, but this doc least allowed him to show a bit of that to fans and everyone that was watching.
3: Jasmine Jordan, also on the end of Episode 7, when MJ was asked, you know, this might have come, being the best might have come at the expense of not being perceived as a nice guy, and Michael Jordan getting pretty emotional at that one, uh, calling for a break at the end of that question, but... What caused him to get so emotional in that response, according to his daughter? I think
0: in my opinion, you know, it was just a, a raw moment of him understanding that, hey, you know, I don't have to be this way. I don't I don't have to be the, the guy on the team that everyone likes. I don't have to be, you know, the, the evil brute of the team either. But what I'm going to do is strive for greatness. And I, and I want everybody around me to strive for greatness as well. And I'm going to do what it takes for. To, to do that, you know, and he's not going to let anybody stop him. So in my opinion, you know, that that passion and that drive and that that emotion that came out was just an authentic reaction to wanting to make sure that, you know, people understood, hey, I, I did what had to be done, and either you liked it or you didn't like it, but, you know, that's just the nature of the game and how he played, and that's who he is. So I think it definitely is a bit of, you know, in my opinion, just him being who he was, and if you didn't want to play that way, then that, that was your decision, but... Michael Jordan's going to play with that grit and that fire and that tenacity. And if you want to play alongside Michael Jordan, you have to do the same.
3: Jasmine Jordan also asked if MJ is uh, that tough on guys who try to uh, date her. And he said, "Um, yeah, yeah, if he could reenact that scene for Bad Boys 2 uh, where uh, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence pretty tough on Martin Lawrence's daughter, he would. Um, I just love that. Seeing Michael Jordan be human since we're so used to him doing superhuman things. Michael Greco, Quentin Dunbar's attorney, joined seven ten ESPN Seattle yesterday and was very clear that he'll go on the offensive to clear Dunbar's name.
8: It was very important for us to get the word out. I have those media relationships to make sure that people know that I this is an innocent man and you know anybody can point a finger and allege something. But as soon as you, you know, kind of pull pull back the, the, the cover of the book. Maybe it's not exactly what what you think it is. So I don't want people rushing to judgment uh, as to either of the individuals, uh, but specifically as as to Quentin, I can tell you that he's going to walk away from this uh, exonerated.
3: Dunbar initially charged with four counts of armed robbery in the arrest warrant that went out last week and released on a bond, I believe, on Sunday. Michael Greco saying that, according to the witnesses, reports that were in that arrest warrant and cited they have since changed and uh, now say the allegation against Dunbar didn't actually happen. With these
8: five individuals, you know, one of them uh, had always consistently said that what the other four said was not accurate. So he gave the same statement to the police as the same statement he gave me. But the other four individuals, they've come around and they're telling the truth now and they, they told it to, uh, to myself that, that this didn't happen. And, uh, you know, we're hoping that the, the state attorney's office down here does the right thing.
3: Also important to note, he said it's completely untrue that Dunbar and DeAndre Baker both uh, lost $70,000 or together lost $70,000 in the gambling game. The week before the night in question, which was alleged in the arrest warrant, said they weren't together at all in the weeks before that night. And also about the relationship, they're not that close, according to Dunbar's attorney.
8: Completely untrue. At least it applies to Mr. Dunbar. Mr. Dunbar was not with Mr. Baker um, at any point. Uh, within the week or weeks prior. I think that there's been a complete mischaracterization as to the nature of their relationship, which is not as close as uh, it's been portrayed, at least initially. And I can tell you that they've got their their wires crossed with that one. I've already advised law enforcement that they're they're completely mistaken on that.
3: But uh, Michael Greco, Dunbar's attorney, saying that uh, witness statements will clear him of both the robbery and assault allegations. And he expects a decision on whether charges will be filed within a month. He's confident Dunbar will be cleared. He's currently holding up well, according to his attorney, and can't leave Florida right now. What does that mean for the Seahawks? He could be punished uh, by the NFL he could be punished by his team even if the charges are dropped, according to Seattle Times Bob Kendota, he joined seven ten yesterday, uh, saying the Seahawks they're prepared for all situations, know who's available at that position as well. I don't
9: think they would go out. I mean I know there's guys like Logan Ryan out there and things like that. Um, certainly there's some things you could do and they're always gonna they're always gonna sort of know where those things are and, and I'm sure they'll they'll you know they always know a lot more than we do about what's going on behind the scenes and how quickly player X from uh, you know some other free agent may sign and what they have to do. So um, you know I, I'm sure they'll put themselves in a position like if they, if they really feel like okay we better do this now because this is what's going to happen and, and we've got to make sure we're covered here. I, I'm sure they're they're you know uh, John Snyder on his big board that's in his office there. I'm sure he's got all these scenarios played out.
3: NFL engineers and sports equipment company Oakley are working together uh, to create and test prototypes of modified face masks that might contain surgical or N95 material, according to the NFL Players Association medical director Tom Mayer. He joined Adam Schefter on his podcast yesterday and said there will probably be a recommendation that the NFL use such masks to protect players from the risk of coronavirus when the league returns to play. He said he isn't sure exactly how the modifications would look, but acknowledged that it's realistic to think the new designs could cover a player's entire face uh, mask and that the engineers are working on everything that, a de- that such a design would entail. Here was Dr. Tom Mayer.
7: You know, they've got some prototypes. They're doing really good work. Hmm. Um, some of them, when you first look at them, you think, uh, gosh, you know, because you're not used to seeing it. You're just not used to seeing it. And uh, but uh, they're looking at every issue you can imagine, Adam, including, you know, when it fogs up, what do we deal with that?
3: They are also advise players who might have elevated risk factors, um, might be in a vulnerable population to be aware of doing everything possible to prevent exposure to the coronavirus.
7: This probably will be a recommendation. I, I don't know it. It's these modified face masks, which may include some form of either surgical or N95 material in it. You know, for a player like that, uh, you know, getting the helmet off, uh, putting a mask on right afterwards, maintaining social distancing when not in the field uh, as much as possible, uh, using single-use um, hydration, whether water, Gatorade, whatever it might be. I mean, just every little detail, anybody who's got a risk, I would advise them to be zealous, religious, and, and, and frankly, um, almost maniacally committed to minimizing the chance of spread of the virus.
3: Some positive momentum for the return of sports governors from New York, California and Texas said Monday that pro sports could resume in their respective states coming up here in the new, near future. Uh, new York Governor Andrew Cuomo said he is encouraging major sports teams in the state to plan to reopen without fans.
4: I also have been encouraging major sports teams to plan reopenings. Uh, without fans, but the games could be televised. New York State will help those major sports franchises to do just that. Hockey, basketball, baseball, football, whoever can reopen. We're a ready, willing, and able partner.
3: Also, Andrew Cuomo, uh, New York governor, saying that he wants to have live sports on TV and states will work with sports teams that want to return. If they
4: can make the numbers work, I say, great, come back. The state will work with you uh, because, remember, government rules right now could stop a team from coming back, right, what's essential, what's not essential. So I'm saying the state will work with them to come back.
3: California Governor Gavin Newsom also spoke about the return of sports yesterday during his daily news conference, saying that uh, they could be back without fans in the state as soon as the first week or so of June.
5: Sporting events, pro sports in that first uh, week or so of June without spectators and modifications and very prescriptive conditions also can begin to move forward. And a number of other sectors of our economy will open up again if we hold these trend lines in the next number of weeks.
3: Yeah, also said that major modifications would be made. Uh, in order for the sports to return in, in addition to coronavirus cases and hospitalizations continuing to trend in the right direction. Finally, yesterday, Texas Governor Greg Abbott said professional sports without fans could resume at the end of May. And governors in Florida and Arizona previously announced that their states were open to having pro sports resume. Each sport, though, with its different needs and situations where they are at in terms of their collective bargaining agreement, and in terms of uh, where they have uh, safety and health protocols, if they're going to play in biospheres or bubble cities. Of course, Mark Cuban, Mavs owner, has been pr- pretty vocal throughout this entire process. Uh, he said that fans need sports teams back and they need something to get excited about. This was on ABC News. You
7: know, I can't give you a date, but it's obviously very important. We all want to root for our teams. I mean, having NASCAR and golf back, but, you know, Americans love team sports and NBA fans want to root for the Mavs and whoever their favorite team is. We need something to get excited about and to cheer for. So it's critically important. I can't give you a date, but I can tell you that the NBA and all the teams are working hard to make that.
3: Mark Cuban did note, though, nothing can happen until they get mass testing.
7: First and foremost, the guys are dying to play. I mean, there's no question about that. But we're going to have to have a testing protocol in place. And the good news is we saw NASCAR kind of open the door. The UFC and even WWE start to set some precedents. And so we'll learn from what they've done. But the key is accurate nice. testing and being able to keep our guys safe. Nothing can happen until then.
3: At least some positive momentum, though, as New York, California and Texas adding to that list of states open to having pro sports return. Governors in Florida and Arizona already previously announcing their states were open to having pro sports resume as well. And that started for those two states on May 16th. We'll keep you updated on that and everything and how it impacts sports in the Pacific Northwest as well. That's a wrap for the hot list, the entire Blitz at 6 hour. Danny and Gallant coming your way in mere seconds right here on 710 ESPN Seattle.